Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kate Fakaranga mai koe ki tō tato el horihori, he hotaka e panaki a papa tuanuku, tangaroa meirangi nui. This is our changing world on RNZ National, and now, Arlene McDowell at the University of Otago is interested in finding better ways of delivering the drugs that we take to the exact parts of our body that need them. Arlene and her students are working out ways to use nanoparticles to carry drugs. You can think of the nanoparticle as being like a fancy box to wrap the drug in. So what we've been looking at at the moment is um, looking at a nanoparticle delivery system, so the way that you can entrap drugs into some sort of carrier that can be used um, in humans to try and get a more efficacious um, therapy. So why nanoparticles? Because you think they're going to be more efficient? Yeah, that's the, their main understanding, is that um, the way you can entrap a drug, so you can sort of encapsulate it inside a nanoparticle, so it can provide some protection. So when these things are taken as an oral medicine, they can be survive the gastrointestinal tract a lot better because it's a fairly harsh environment with different pHs and all sorts of things. And there is some evidence around that the nanoparticle itself, the composition of that nanoparticle, can actually enhance the way it's taken up in the gut so you can get more of the drug taken up into the bloodstream. And there's some really fancy stuff where people attach things to nanoparticles so that they can kind of be directed to different parts of the body. So you can put things on it that will find cancer tumours, for example, in the body and kind of target your therapy there a lot more effectively. So what kind of drugs are you interested in? We're kind of looking at generic um, platforms at the moment. So the, the work originated with me looking at actually a fertility control for the brush-tailed possum. So we're interested in delivering a GNRH-type molecule, so something that would cause a contraceptive effect. Um, so the, And we have used that as a, a generic sort of protein and peptide. So these are macromolecules that people think are going to be the therapies in the future. But you can put a whole range of other um, things in there too. So DNA can be used in nanoparticles um, and smaller molecules can be. But we have have been using um, antioxidants as well um, in some of the research that I do looking in trapping those into nanoparticles and so yeah a range of things but proteins and peptides are probably the, the main thing that we've been doing. Now, just before we move on, can I ask you, what happened with that possum fertility control work? Yeah, we actually got some interesting results. Um, so we were able to deliver our nano, so we deliver the compound into a nanoparticle and I could inject that into the gut of the possums and we got an enhanced uptake from that formulation and we were able to actually trigger a fertility response. So we got a change in the hormone levels of the possums after we administered that. So that was getting part of the way. We're obviously, injecting it into the gut is clearly not something you would do feasibly so we would need to deliver a remote delivery system. And then unfortunately the government changed its mind with funding, <laughs> so we had to sort of change tack a little bit. So tell me a bit more about the nanoparticles. Yeah, today. we started to focus on the nanoparticle itself, more as a delivery system, and can we understand more about how that's put together, and then how can we enhance absorption. So, so then it could be applied to anything. So if we understand those sort of fundamental principles of how the particle works, you can then go back into a possum project and look at the, in that direction or look into humans or anything. Um, and so we've been working 
talking more about understanding that um, it's kind of a cool term, the nanobio interface. So what happens when a nanoparticle comes and touches a cell and how can you get that nanoparticle taken up more effectively across sort of a cell membrane? And that's where Sarah's project kind of comes in that, that she's interested in, in understanding um, what happens at that interface and can we do anything with these things called cell penetrating peptides. So this is decorating the surface of the nanoparticle with these um, peptide sequences that are meant to enhance the, the way that their particles taken up and so we get more drug um, into the body basically. So this would be something, Sarah, that in a very simplistic way, something like a handle that the cell can get a yes. better hold of. Yeah, that's true. So that's basically what happens. It's an interaction between a negative charged cell and a positive charged carrier. And so that's how they get together. And as soon as they they kind of like touch each other, there is an uptake into the cell triggered by that first reaction when they come together. So can you tailor this for particular different kinds of cells as well? It more or less works for any cell, and most importantly, it works for the cells in the gut so that you have uptake either in the stomach or later in the small intestine. So what's the work that you're doing? Are you designing different combinations of peptides and then yeah. testing those? Yes, so um, I'm having the, the nanoparticle as my vehicle and then I'm attaching different kinds of um, cell penetrating peptides to the surface. So um, we are looking at a, a short one which has just three amino acids and then we have a, a longer one which um, is called TART and that's commonly used by a lot of people so we're using that as a comparison and then we have a, a third one which is um, a branched one and so that the architecture is different and so we want to see how that influence the uptake if we can increase the uptake if we have like a bigger structure of the peptide. So going from quite simple ones to much more complex ones. Yes that's right. <laughs> Nanoparticles I know are really small just how do they compare in size to a human cell? So a nanometer would mean um, a millionth of a millimetre. And the way I sort of tried to relate it is a water molecule that people are fairly familiar with is one nanometer. And your average sort of bacterium is about 2,000 nanometers, I think. So we're sort of down. We, we make particles that are about 200 nanometers in size. So that's the sort of an end of the scale. So pretty small. The reason I was asking about it compared to a human cell was, mm. you know, is the cell trying to grab something that's about the same size no, as the cell no. or so, something so we, much smaller? Sarah's actually done some amazing calculations about how many particles would fit onto a cell surface, and it, it's heaps. It's, it's hundreds yeah. and hundreds. Because the cell is probably about up to five microns, so if we have like a thousand nanometers, then that's five times more. And so the cell can uptake quite a few of the nanoparticles. So one of your challenges is if you design these nanoparticles, they've got to be robust enough to get through the stomach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that's right. I think they're a little bit like a Malteser, if you like. So we have a polymer wall around the outside of these particles, and then your drug is, is entrapped with inside them. So, so those polymers are sufficient enough to sort of withstand the, the change in pH that you've got within the stomach um, and remain intact. But that also incorporates, you know, the work that we do is also part of, well, let's incubate those particles in media that represent what you'd find in the gut. And we're interested in, in how quickly the drug gets released under those conditions because, you know, you perhaps wouldn't want a dosage form that, you know, you would minister into the stomach and then as soon as it hits that acid, 
all of the drug is released. Um, you might want to actually keep it in there for longer so that it can get absorbed later on and then distributed throughout the body. So, so that sort of whole area of understanding the way the drug comes out under different conditions is, is definitely sort of pretty routine sort of things that we want to know about um, and that's something that Sarah will be characterising um, for her particles as well. So the stomach acid is one thing, then you've got it's warm down there, it's spending a few hours in your intestinal tract. These are all things you have to factor in. Mm, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. It's a complicated environment. We, we, do, we sort of take it out and make it simple in the lab, but, yeah, we're trying to mimic something that is, is pretty complex. Yeah. So pretty much the drug would be absorbed where? In your intestinal tract? Yeah, well, the prime site for drug absorption is usually the small intestine. Um, that's sort of where it's easiest to get things to. So, And uh, depending on the, the application that you're interested in, that's probably sufficient if you're looking at getting a sort of systemic uh, distribution of your drug. Um, then uptake from the small intestine is, is fine. Are you thinking yet about the drugs that might go in these things or are you just designing the nanoparticles? Um, no, there's always a part looking at what possible drugs, like insulin is a, is an example because it's still people have to administer it under the skin and so it could be like you could move on from that one and just put it into the nanoparticles and then take it orally. That would be something probably really nice in the future. So obviously these things are so small you can only fit a a minuscule amount of drug inside them so how do you deliver a dose? That's just lots and lots of nanoparticles. Yeah exactly so so we characterise how much is taken up into each particle so we sort of have this term entrapment efficiency which says how much drug goes into them and then yeah you're quite right because they're so small in a tablet for example you could fit so many billions of nanoparticles that you could get a therapeutic dose um, from a one oral tablet. I I could see that having advantages because instead of taking that single pill that's just sitting in your intestinal tract slowly releasing, Mm -hmm. your nanoparticles could spread everywhere so they're going to give a really even distribution of the of drug. Yeah, uptake. and that's, there are some um, sort of theories that say that the smaller your dosage form is, the more predictable that it can be sort of traced, not only in terms of transit time through the gut, but also, as you say, in uptake. So that the smaller things are, it moves more, much more like a, a liquid then, and that's easier sort of to characterise how it moves. Now, you mentioned earlier on that idea of using them to target particular cell types like cancers mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what would you need to do for that? So there's a few different approaches you can do. Um, a lot of people put this thing on called PEG, polyethylene glycol. They will tag that onto the outside of a nanoparticle wall. And that's to try and get a, a longer circulation within the um, bloodstream. So that would try and make, once it's absorbed, it will hang around for a lot longer. And then you can put, there's a whole series of tags that people would put on there, but you would want to target something that's specific to the, the outside of the cancer cell. So they may express some marker that normal cells do not. And so then you would attach some ligand to your nanoparticle that would recognise that um, thing that's expressed on the cancer cell. And so that gives you some specificity for for what cells would be targeted. And I guess that has the advantage over a lot of traditional sort of chemotherapy um, agents, which are just generic, you know, they'll kill sort of all cells, whether they're cancer or not. So it's almost like putting on quite a complicated specific address so that it gets to the right person. Yes, exactly, yes, yes. So how do you go about making these nanoparticles? So they're, they're done in vitro um, in the lab and we've actually just got a really nice new piece of equipment using a system called microfluidics. And the beauty of this system, it's a very simple system to make and you can upscale the process very easily so you can make litres of nanoparticles um, if you need them. But the, the beauty in our research is that you get a really um, precision particle that's formed. So they're very very consistent in terms of their size and their composition and their characteristics. 
and and that's something that you can tune so you can very easily adjust it by the way you set up the the machine to produce whatever size you want and things like that but the the beauty in our work is that um, as Sarah's already talked about we're interested in attaching things or decorating the nanoparticle with these cell penetrating peptides so that's kind of the bit that we're interested in so if we can have our nanoparticle that's as uniform as possible the only difference the cell is seeing is then the stuff that we're attaching to it. From where you are at the moment in terms of you're starting to produce these things, Sarah has, is thinking about the designs that are going to go on them. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the process from here? So we want to be able to look in a, in a cell culture system at how these things are interacting with the cells. So um, we've got a collaboration with uh, the University of Copenhagen um, and they have a range of different types of cells um, that they grow in culture. And so the, the aim is that Sarah's going to go to Copenhagen, um, take her formulations with her, and then she's going to look at um, the processes by which these things get taken up into cells. So we're going to look, is it an active process or passive or is one of her formulations better than the other? Um, we're kind of thinking that maybe the brain branched one will be cool. We sort of expect that that'll sit on the cells nicely and and get taken up. Thanks Arlene. Arlene McDowell from the School of Pharmacy at the University of Otago and PhD student Sarah Streck. Kia ora and thanks for listening. I'm Alison Balance and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on the 5th of October 2017. Don't forget you can subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please give us a rating. It really helps. You can also find us at rnz.co.nz or on the RNZ app. Mate wa. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.